0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back. It is time for the Blitz Boys podcast here, where we're going to wrap up Week Four and get you ready for Week Five of college football. It was an awesome slate of games in Week Four. Uh, we had a ton of fun on Saturday morning. Uh, it was just Nick and I. Poor Slate had to work uh, and miss a uh, miss an episode, but we had a ton of fun on Saturday morning. And then it did not disappoint through the entire day. It started off Clemson and Florida State. It ended pretty much with. Uh, Ohio State and Notre Dame. We're going to talk about all those games coming up here in just a few minutes. Slade, how was it how was working all weekend?
1: Uh, I think it did 83 hours in six days. It was not fun. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't blame you. Uh, so let's go ahead and let's get started with our week three wrap up. Uh, we're going to go ahead and look at the 11 games that we picked on Saturday morning show. Uh, first up, the one that we already kind of talked about for a split second we had Florida State at Clemson. Uh, we knew this game was going to be close. I mean, this is really deciding the ACC future uh, for this season, and it did not disappoint at all. I will say I was pretty impressed through the first three and a half quarters with Clemson's offense. Uh, they were really able to move the ball pretty well. Their defense held Florida State to 311 total yards. It looked like this was Clemson's game to lose, and then sure enough, they turned around they found a way to lose it. Uh, they missed a uh, go-ahead field goal with, like, a minute 45 left. Uh, then they get to overtime, and they have a third and one, and they throw a bubble screen pass that gets a loss of five, and then they got to throw a slant, uh, and Clubnik just completely missed the wide receiver, and that's how the game ended for Clemson. Uh, Slade, your your thoughts on this game uh, and, and really what started off our Saturday?
1: Uh, so, yeah, I think that this would have been a perfect story to happen. I mean, after the game is when I started seeing the videos of how, uh, the kicker was like the, he, what was he like the, the holder? He never got to play Like he never, yeah, he, he, was like a, while a, he was like, in a,
0: yeah, he was like, now he went to kicker. finance
1: in New York city. He was supposed to start on Monday. Coach Sweeney calls him and says, Hey, we need a kicker. Any chance you'd come? And he basically made a deal with coach that as long as his family got tickets to the game, he, he was there. And so, uh, I mean, how fitting would it have been had that been the story? Like they go to overtime, he kicks the game when he, or I mean, they don't go to overtime. He kicks the, uh, you know, a game winner. Uh, yeah. And they have that story. And so, I mean, I picked Clemson to win. I picked them as an upset, I really hope that it was going to happen. I thought for a second, that. I mean, realistically, when you look at what we saw out of Clemson uh, very first week of the season, you would think that Florida state should have won this by at least two scores. Right. But it was much closer than I expected. Uh, and that might just be, you know, ACC rivalry kind of drives things closer. You know, we've seen Ohio mm-hmm. state leaps and bounds beyond Penn state, just about every other year. And somehow when they play that game, is usually pretty close. So I think that that's what we saw here. I think Clemson is still uh, got a lot of holes that they need to fill. But I, I think that it just looked like this because of it being a uh,
0: ACC rivalry type game. Yeah. Uh back to the kicker really quick. I will say I, I, so I think I saw that article come out on, on it was either Thursday or Friday and I saw that come out. And immediately I knew I was like, this is gonna come down to like a last second kick. And like, I mean, it's, it's it's either gonna be a, a really good story or a really bad story. I was like, but I know that like as soon as that story came out, I was like, This is coming down to this kicker and it's gonna get mm. more shoulder. Um I mean it it does suck that he missed it, but I mean he made his other one in the game. So mm-hmm. <laughs> um but the one thing I was before we move on, going back to that Clemson Duke game to start the season, is I mean you you kind of brought it up here. It was was this more so because it's it's a rivalry game between these two, and it really has developed into that. Uh, these two always seem like they're fighting to be at the top of the ACC. Uh, the, these are two teams that don't like each other. But how how good does Clemson or excuse me, how good does Duke look right now because of what they did to Clemson? and they've, they've really been rolling so far to start their season. Now they have a huge test this weekend coming up where I, I feel like we're going to find out, we're going to get an answer to that question of, of how good is this Duke team. But, I mean, all of a sudden they're sitting there at 4-0. They beat Clemson 28-7. to um, And, and I, outside of Notre Dame, they really don't have a terrible schedule. I'll pull it up here, and we'll, we'll see what they got coming up. While you're uh, pulling that up, that's what I that, wanted
1: to say. Uh, did any of us pick Duke?
0: No, as, as our oh, team, I, I will say.
1: I know, say, that, I, so I, I I know that you had mentioned about it. I know that I thought that you and Nick had both picked Florida State and I had picked Clemson, but um, I, I didn't know if that was what we had finalized on or not. I couldn't remember. Yeah,
0: so, I mean, that was my final pick. But what I will say is we you and I talked about in our mm-hmm. season preview of, hey, who's going to be the, the number three team? Everybody's talking about Florida State and Clemson this season. Who's that third team? I will mm-hmm. say I picked Duke for that. Uh, yeah, well, I picked Pitt. Not looking good. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Um, yeah, so for Duke coming up, uh, it, it's actually a little bit more difficult than I thought. Um, so they have NC State at home next week, or excuse me, in two weeks. Uh, so they have a bye week after this Notre Dame game. Then they have NC State to Florida State to Louisville, uh, Wake Forest at home. Then they're at UNC, and then they wrap up the season with Virginia and Duke. Um, so three out of their... Ne- One, two, three out of the next seven games are are against ranked opponents, and not just any ranked opponents. You know, the the clear leader in Florida State right now, and another team that's playing really well. Of I think a lot farther than what people had anticipated for this season in UNC. Uh, So yeah, Duke's not out of the woods by any means, but uh, it's still going to be a very fun game to watch this weekend with Notre Dame and Duke. And the last thing I want to say about Florida State before we move on is. After that LSU game, everybody had said, "I, you know, Florida State is a clear college football playoff contender, you know, maybe even a finalist favorite. Now, all of a sudden, I mean, if you look at their offense, the last couple weeks, they've really struggled. They didn't turn the ball over this week, uh, but, you know, last week they struggled against Boston College, turning the ball over and just moving the, the chains in general. And then you look at this week, they get outgained by Clemson. Uh, Clemson had almost 430 yards. Uh, Florida State had 311. Uh, So I I have some concerns about, you know, Florida State's offense moving forward. What we once thought was an untouchable offense is now all of a sudden really looks sluggish the last couple of weeks. Um, So something to keep our eye on. If we look at Florida State's schedule going ahead, Uh, they got a bye week this week. Uh, Then they have Virginia Tech at home, Syracuse at home, that Duke game we just mentioned. So after they have a bye week, and their next three games are home. So... (laughs) Uh, I mean, a pretty favorable schedule there for them. Um, and then they're at week Forest, uh, at Pitt. They get Miami at home, uh, at FCS school, and then they're on the road at Florida. So I, <laughs> it really helps Florida State's case there that they have you know three straight weeks at home. Um, let's move on to the next game. We had Rutgers at Michigan. Uh, I put Michigan on upset alert this weekend, and i I, I, I was wrong on Saturday. I thought they were without hardball for four weeks because that was going to be the original NCAA suspension was four weeks. and then when Michigan came out and decided they were going to self-impose the uh, suspension, I, def- I forgot they made it three weeks. So I was speaking this past weekend and I said, you know without hardball they've looked terrible. They've rotated a head coach every week. Um, offense still didn't look fantastic. It, it kind of struggled a little bit, but that, as a whole team they did look a little bit better. I will say Rutgers had plenty of opportunities to make this game closer. One of them being a fourth and one where I I don't know what it was with offensive coordinators and third and one and fourth and one trying to run tunnel screens. Uh, But that was the dumbest play call I think I've seen. That was the dumbest play call up until I saw what Clemson did. (laughs) But um, I know you didn't get to watch much football, but your your impressions from this game.
1: So I had like the ESPN App up basically with like all the scores of the games that I like was trying to like all the games that we were picking
0: uh-huh. and
1: so I'm like running around at work and stuff and so I see Rutgers starts with the ball 70 yard touchdown pass to start the game a minute into the game <laughs> and I'm like holy shit and then I look again and Rutgers has the ball back again at like yeah. the 12 minute mark or something like that I'm like holy shit it's 7 nothing. And Rutgers has the ball back again like are they gonna go out and like get up like 21 to 21 to 10 against Michigan in the first half and like Michigan's gonna have to play from behind and this could be like like you had said you picked them for, you picked Michigan as a possible upset I'm like oh my George is really gonna jump ahead in the points here this week if this <laughs> happens uh, but I mean that ended up they scored in the first minute of the game and then never scored again so that was just a that was just uh unfortunate but I I really think that it's so hard to judge the teams this year. I mean, Michigan should beat Rutgers by, I don't, I don't know. I feel like they should be beating teams like Rutgers 49 to seven or something like, like, I think that every week we talk about a team Ohio state, especially like even Penn state, the, the uh, Alabama, any of these teams that are playing like lesser schools that they're usually mm-hmm. whooping up on. I always feel like they should have like another two scores on their, on their offensive side, just because like, that's what we're used to. And that's not what we're seeing this year. I don't know if, competition have a uh, better defenses this year or, or what the deal is, but, or maybe it's just stupid offensive play calls, like you said, and they get these third and one fourth and one, and they're just missing opportunities with, po- with a uh, poor play
0: call. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I will, I will say in the case of Michigan, I, I really put it solely on JJ McCarthy and watching him play quarterback. If we go back a week to that bowling green game, he threw three interceptions against the max school. And I said this last week, like, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Bowling Green. Obviously, it's it's still Division One FBS school. But you can't make that kind of mistake against that opponent. What the hell, what are you going to do against Penn State? I mean, we've seen how good Penn State's defense has been this season. We've seen how good Ohio State's defense has, has been this season. You can't play like that against Bowling Green and expect to flip a switch and all of a sudden be, become, you know, J.J. Heisman against those two teams. Uh, and that was one thing I found funny after that game is, people were talking about Heisman quarterbacks and somebody made a graphic and J.J. McCarthy got put in that graphic. I'm like, what, what the hell is he doing in here? Because you, you can't watch him play football and go, yeah, he, he deserves to be you know a Heisman candidate. If you watch Michigan's offense, it's literally Blake Corm and Donovan Edwards, and if they don't get those through the ball, the offense does not move. And that's what we've seen the last couple of weeks out of Michigan. Now, uh, again, with I, I think in Michigan's case, the rotating carousel of head coaches through the first four weeks has not been healthy. And now that, um, you know, we're going into the second week of Jim Harbaugh, I think that's going to help his team kind of find their groove going forward. Um, but I, I said that on Saturday, it, it having a new voice leading you every week it is not conducive to creating a harmony. Uh, and I feel like they were kind of getting pulled in different directions, even if it's just slightly. Um, You know, you're hearing a different message from every head coach, even if they're trying to say the same words, they're saying it in different ways. And that's never going to lead to, you know, what you want out of your team. But now you have Jim Harbaugh back. So I want to see over the next three weeks. okay, how good does this team actually look with their actual head coach leading them forward? Uh, So that's something to watch for. Um, Next game we had, we had uh, Colorado visiting Oregon. I had. So many people texted me before the game and they're like, o- Oregon's going to whoop their ass. And I was like, this is going to be a good game because I I've learned my lesson. I, I don't talk shit anymore. I learned that lesson last year when we played Washington and I said, Washington was ass. And we, when we did out of the tunnel, whenever I think you picked Washington and I made the graphic upside down. So it was an ad o- to, w- yeah. So we didn't do jinx. Um, well, they-, they, they lost anyway, but yeah. Um, Still, so I, I've learned I'm I'm just I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk shit. And I, I do have a genuine large amount of respect for what Deion Sanders has done at Colorado and how they've looked through the first three weeks. Um, but yeah, Oregon came out, just punched them in the face. They were able to run the ball effortlessly against that front seven. And this is what I thought Colorado's problem was gonna be going into the TCU game, was I didn't know how good this line was, but I also know they don't have a lot of depth. Uh, but we found out on Saturday just how good that, that front seven is on both sides of the ball. Um, and they really struggled. Uh, they were getting pushed around on defense. They weren't able uh, – I think they had – Oregon had five sacks. Um, what the stats here? But nonetheless, they were putting Shador Sanders in a lot of pressure that he hasn't seen yet this year. Um, and now, you know, it doesn't get any easier for Colorado that they can play USC. The one thing I will say for Colorado is – USC didn't look that great against uh, Arizona State. You know, Arizona State hung around in that game. We've made our, our concerns well-known about USC's defense. I think Oregon does have a better defense than what USC does. But, I mean, this is going to be a nice little, you know, test uh, to see, okay, Oregon just played this team a week ago. Now here's USC playing this team. Where does it stack up? I will say there are a few injuries now in Colorado from that game, uh, but before I, I just run my mouth for about 45 minutes about this game, uh, I'll let you get your thoughts in.
1: Yeah, so uh, I I feel like, like I said, the entire season at the end of the game, it leaves me thinking that the team should have had more points. That's the exact opposite that we've seen with Oregon this season. I mean, they've literally done their talking with the scoreboard this season so mm-hmm. far. And obviously maybe the strength uh, – the The strength of teams that they've played hasn't been all there, but that's all the teams so far this season. A lot of the teams have been playing their weaker schedule at the early part of the season, especially the Pac-12, and they're all going to do that uh, where they face each other and take each other out here in the coming weeks. Um, The fact that Dan Lanning, whatever he said before the game about the they're looking for clicks, we're looking for wins or something like that, uh, hilarious and it was very funny to see dion try to defend it but also kind of be like i mean that's not what we're trying to do and then he followed it up with like kind of you know one of those statements that is an instagram post right away just like but best believe this is the worst you'll ever see us or something like that you know yeah. it was just really cool to see uh dan lanning is that, that's his name right yeah it, it was really cool to see them put that out there and because he got trashed all week, basically yeah. like them saying, pulling the video up from preseason and him saying that who cares if Colorado leaves. I don't remember them ever winning anything here or something like that. And then he like had to say like I'd never said that about Dion's team. I said that about Colorado at yeah. the school before Dion was there. And it was just I really thought that he was gonna like try and stay away from the trash talk completely. But it was just kind of funny to see him kind of not even really trash talk, but just kind of fire the team up like that. Yeah. Uh, on Dion's side, I, I thought it was really cool the video they posted of uh, Travis Hunter calling him afterwards or texting him, whatever, and mm-hmm. what Dion had said about how like his future's brighter than his. Like, you're not going to risk yourself for one game, you know. Right. Uh, like you said, it shows that uh, there should be a lot more respect for Dion and what he's been doing for Colorado and everything, you know. Yeah, but I, I feel they, like... they've got they've got a terrible schedule coming. I mean, everyone was talking about Shadur poss Shadur Sanders possible and uh, Heisman. You know, blah blah blah. His dad said that Shadur doesn't want to go to the NFL next season. He doesn't want to be number two to Caleb Williams. He yeah. he wants he wants to be the guy that fights to be number one. And right now, he feels as if he's going to be behind Caleb Williams. I think that this past week uh, should definitely make it so that he stays another year because he. Looked as if he was used to playing high school defenses and all of a sudden this was Division one football that he played this week.
0: Yeah, Uh, you talked about their schedule. So they do have USC this week, which is obviously going to be extremely difficult, but
1: they play play five more ranked
0: teams. Yeah, but I mean, if you look at so on the backside of USC, they have uh, Arizona State and Stanford, two very winnable games for Mm -hmm. what Colorado is. Um, then they play UCLA at after five, that.
1: that. puts them at five wins if they win those two.
0: Right, uh, UCLA, which I feel like is a toss-up game right now. Mm-hmm. Watching UCLA play against uh, Utah this past week, and we'll talk about the mm-hmm. game here in a little bit. Um, then they play Oregon State, which is going to be rough. Uh, but then they close out with Arizona, Washington State, and Utah. So I still believe they can get the six wins and get to a bowl, mm-hmm. a bowl game. But I th- I think the the issue that came about, and I don't know if it's necessarily an issue, but um, a lot of casual people, a lot of casual fans who maybe just like to watch college football or weren't even that into college football to begin with. Um, when, when Dion went to Colorado and, and built this gigantic hype machine, um, which is well deserved. I mean Deion Sanders is, is a once is, is one of the greatest athletes to ever play sports. doesn't even have to be football, ever play sports and he's a charismatic personality. And, and he did an amazing job at building the hype around that school. And then all of a sudden you go on the road week one at TCU who lost a national championship game last year. Um, still had a lot of hype around them that, I mean, I, I didn't think, thought they'd be better than what they were, but I think they deserve the hype. We talked about that week zero and week one, um, but you know, they go on the road, they beat them. And then they, they played Nebraska at home. Nebraska fumbles the ball 17 times and, and Colorado capitalizes big win there. Then they kind of struggled a little bit, but through the, they, they go three and out. And now all of a sudden, uh, uh, more and more eyes every week are, are getting put on them. Um, and from there, I, I feel like the expectations kind of grew a little bit too wild. Whereas a lot of Realista and people who have been watching for, for a while have been like, this is a, a solid five win team. Maybe they can still win six games. After the first three games, I, I felt comfortable saying that they're going to make a bowl game. Um, I think Travis Hunter definitely made a difference being out this past week. I don't think he he closes a gap. You know what what is it 20, 26 points like that thirty six points. Um, he he doesn't close the gap that much, but I think it's a little bit more respectable score. Um, I, I think Colorado is is still going to be fine going forward. Dion has these players buying in, and that's that's the biggest thing when you're head coach is you need the players to buy in to your beliefs and and what you're teaching and so on. Um, so I, I still think Colorado's gonna be fine miles ahead of where they were the past three, four years. Um, and that's what I feel like a lot of people have kind of lost sight of is is how much they've built up the last couple of years I this think, year compared to the last couple.
1: I think something we also have to realize is uh, the pay structure for Dion's contract. Dude was only guaranteed like $1.2 million to go to the school. The rest of the money he makes off of everything else that he creates for the school, ticket sales. Uh, jersey sale like everything else that happens at the school that revolves around football sales is where he gets his extra incentives built in mm-hmm. you know so I think that you also have to realize that uh, we may think that oh here they go talking about Colorado again you know blah 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 they played three like mediocre teams you know to start the season and now they went against Oregon and got whooped and everyone's like yeah that's what they deserve blah blah, blah. it's like know they were projected to get two and a half wins to start the season and they started yeah. out three and oh they already surpassed the projections and that projection was with the as the coach yeah so like i mean i i think that like you said i mean that they're i i agree with you i think that arizona state arizona and stanford i see is where they get their six game their six wins guaranteed is where i feel like they have their best chance yeah. uh the other ones like ucla possibly even utah at the end of the season we don't know what's gonna happen uh they've been playing some close games
0: uh so uh, Just the last thing i want to talk about on this game before we, we move on and i knew we would spend a long time on this but you brought up dan Lanning's comments the pre-game speech coach Lanning did an amazing job throughout the week not giving them the bulletin board material he waited until it's it's the pre-game speech i know the video is going to get put out but by the time this video gets out to people mm-hmm. we're going to be on the field playing um but we, we've seen coaches the first three weeks. I wouldn't I wouldn't say TCU did it. I don't think Sonny Dykes personally went out and attacked Dion or, or not necessarily attacked, but made comments. But I I, I genuinely can't remember. Um, if you look at Matt Rule, I think he said some things they weren't like super derogatory or defamatory. But the, the big thing with Nebraska was they they Matt Rule Depray. says they were trying to, to prey on the on the 50 yard line. They were standing on the logo. Colorado didn't like that, so on and so forth. And then last week you had um, Mike or Norvell at Colorado State say just some of the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Why? Why would you make the sunglasses? Yeah. Um, So Dan Dan Lanning watched this happen the first. Dollars
1: in a day. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Dan Lanning watched this happen the first week. He's I, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. I think another you know reason behind it is, even even though I'm a fan, I I think it's objectively fair to say Oregon is a good football team this year, Mm -hmm. but they have had almost no spotlight on them because of, of what's going on with Dion and at Colorado. If you go back and you watch all the interviews leading up, Dan landing did an interview Friday night on ESPN. It came on right after um, I think it was the NC state game. Uh, Cause I watched that and then sports center comes on like, all right, we're going to interview Dan landing in a couple minutes. He, he got asked seven questions. Five of them were about Dion Sanders in Colorado and not in a way of like, how, how do you like game plan for this? It was, well, what do you think? And, at, when it gets to a point like that, it, it was like that all week for him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, probably, you know, ever since he made those comments about, you know, Colorado's leaving, what have, what have they done for the conference? What have they won in the conference? Which was a fair point to make. And again, like you said, uh, and, and he made this point clear as well that that's not about Dion. Dion hasn't coached yet. I can't say anything about, you know, what has he done here. But um, having to listen to that all week, and you have a very good football team. You have a, a Heisman contender quarterback. You have one of the best running back rooms in the country. And nobody's ranked, talking ranked about number that. Number one in Jack Wagon Sports Top 25. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, nobody's talking about that. Everybody's it, it gets aggravating. And I 100 percent get his his thoughts and his sentiments. And the, the pregame speech was one of the best I've heard. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are coming out and complaining about it. And you need your job as a head coach in that moment is to get your team should already be fired up to play. You're you're your intention in that moment is to get them focused and direct that energy, that anger, whatever emotions they're having at one specific thing. It's not trying to do five things on his plate. It's okay. I'm going out here, and my job is to put Colorado in their ass. And that's what your message is in that moment. He, he and, did and
1: exactly what Dion does every week. Yeah. Dion's whole thing is it's personal, find something that somebody said on the other team. And everyone's focused on making that person eat their words.
0: Right, and, and the, the big everybody's like, well, he, you know, he nobody he was doing. He told the cameras to come in the locker room. He, he did because the the point is, is I am tired of you taking everything away from my team, all, all the attention, all the spotlight that we deserve, that we play for, that we have busted our ass the past how many year, you know, the past year and a half under me, um, you know, throughout the season as well. The, the scores that we put up, the games that we played you guys are taking that all away from us and just putting everything on Dion. So you know what? Yeah. He would have said the same exact words, cameras and no cameras, but Hey, give give me five minutes, put that camera on me and I'm going to put some attention and some respect back on my damn team because they deserve it. And I 100% respect the hell out of Dan Landing for doing that. Uh, It was an amazing speech. The one complaint I have of, of during the game, I don't mind in the first half. I was fine with running up the score the way they they, did the way they did. Uh, you know, up 28 nothing. hey, let's just keep going for it, going for it. I'm fine with that. Even the first, I, I think they were in like a six-yard line. It was like fourth and one, and they went for it. They got it, and then they ended up scoring. From there, I kind of would have backed off a little. I would have, you know, hey, we can start punting the ball now. You know, it's 42 nothing. But from there, I think the offense across the board kind of fell flat. Uh, I know Noah Whittington went down with an injury. I still haven't seen anything on what that injury was if it was, you know, he got carted off. It, it wasn't good, but I still haven't seen like a report on him. Um, and from there, you know, the offense started to stumble a little bit more. Then the backups go in, and then from there, you know, it's all hell breaking loose. So, as as much talk as Dan Lanning said, you know, coming out of halftime, like, hey, we're not done yet. You know, we're just going to keep, we're going to keep going. I love that. It just didn't seem like that was the outcome. Um, watching that second like, defense still played great. You know, I, I mean, I'm not trying to blame the second stringers, but second team offense against first team offense is when they finally gave up you know six points they still bucked extra point. so as an Oregon fan that was my only concern is saying hey we're just going to keep we're going to keep going we're not done yet and then we got a touchdown and then they kind of fizzled out from there was was my only concern. Um I think that's long enough on that game. <laughs> uh, let's move over to the future conference meets of Colorado. We have uh, Kansas visiting BYU. Um Great game. It got off to a horrible start for BYU. I believe it was the first play of the game they ran, um, and they fumbled the ball. Uh, Kansas takes it back for a scoop and score. Um, it, it was ten thirty-eight uh, left in the first quarter when that happened, but uh, early on in the game. And then from there, BYU just struggled to implement their run game, uh, and their rushing defense wasn't up to snuff either, especially coming off a huge win on the road at an SEC game. Uh, team like in Arkansas the past week um BYU had nine yards rushing Kansas had 221 uh I think that that alone right there is going to tell you why the score ended up like it did um and then they also had three turnovers that, that fumbled that got returned uh and two interceptions thrown uh Slade your thoughts from this game
1: yeah I mean I, I you had mentioned it I picked BYU to win this game I think uh your leading rusher 11 carries
0: for uh 21 yards that's uh pretty uh pretty sad so i i mean looking at this i I think bYU is still fine moving forward obviously there's going to be some growing pains moving into a conference for the first time in in a very long time especially a power five conference Uh, they still have a win at arkansas to hang their hat on now if you look at kansas obviously a huge test for them this weekend going on the road to texas I am very excited for that game. I think that's going to be a great game. But now this is 2 years in a row now. They started off 4-0. Lance Leopold deserves unlimited respect for what he's done at Kansas. He has turned this into a multi-sport school. It's not just a basketball school anymore. This is 2 years in a row now that Kansas football has genuine momentum behind them. I think they're you know they look even better than what they did last year. Um you know obviously last year they kind of fizzled out once they um they lost to TCU, and then from there it was injuries and, and so on and so forth. Uh, I'm excited to see what Kansas can do. I'm not saying, you know, they're going to go out there and beat Texas. We'll have to wait and see what, who I pick on Saturday for that game. But um, I'm very excited to see what Kansas can do. And I think from here on out, it's it's onwards and upwards. I don't think this is a team where we're going to see them, you know, up and down, you know, roller coaster, or, or they're they're going to win 12 games a season the next year and for the next 15 years or whatever it was after they – Almost made the national championship game in 2007, and they won the Orange Bowl and all this other stuff. Uh, I don't. I think those days of Kansas football are are behind us. Uh, so I'm excited to see where this team goes moving forward from here. Uh, staying in the Big 12, uh, we had SMU visiting TCU, uh, the rivalry game down there in Dallas, Texas. I had so much more faith in SMU and how they played to start the season, how good their defense looked. Uh, when we were talking about this game on Saturday morning, I brought up the fact that they. They outgained o- Oklahoma when they played a few weeks ago. Oklahoma was coming off that 70-point victory. Um, TCU's defense had looked good through the first couple weeks. Their offense was spotty, but I thought their defense would do enough to carry this game closer. Uh, TCU came out and, and played excellent football. Uh, they get a huge win at home. Now they get to go start their conference football play. Uh, Slade, your, your thoughts on TCU looking a, a lot better than what they did you know, three weeks ago in, against Colorado?
1: Yeah, I I thought it was very surprising. Like you, I thought SMU was going to uh to to get uh, a a tough win here. I thought that it was going to be a, a close game, but I didn't think that. Uh, in no way did I think that TCU was going to go out and uh get at least a two score win against them. You know, it's it's just something that I did not predict, and it, it's really good for TCU because it's like, look, you took your beating, and uh, now all you can do is is look forward to the next couple weeks. You know, so it's looking good for TCU I mean they won the rivalry game and on to the next week
0: yeah I mean I think the most surprising stat to me is TCU had almost 200 yards rushing I think it was 192 um again not what I saw coming out of of SMU after their first couple of weeks um looking at TCU going forward though so this week they have West Virginia uh, at home then they go to Iowa State then they have BYU at home Kansas State Texas Tech Texas Baylor um, and then Oklahoma, so I mean they have a very favorable schedule moving forward. Um, you know through the rest of the Big Twelve. I I mean they, they play three pretty big teams, but um, one, two, three, four, five, six. They should win six of their games in the in the Big Twelve. So six and three in in the conference. Um, who knows? Or actually, they're, they're they've already won one, so they're, they'd be seven and three. There's no. They should only play eight conference games, right? I think they play nine. Oh. Wow. One, two, three, four, five. So I, they, I, I'm sorry. five
1: I, more conference games, so there would be six and six. And no, four, I, I'm right right saying
0: right? they're going to win five more for sure. Oh, so okay. they would be – I think they're going to have six conference wins at the end of the year. The, the one I'm not sure yet on is Kansas State. That's mm-hmm. like a coin flip for me, so I'm not going to say they're going to already win it. But, I mean, who knows what happens in that Kansas State, Texas, or Oklahoma game. So. I mean, we were we were writing off TCU at the beginning of the season, and here we are. All of a sudden, they might come back, and they they have a shot at the Big 12 title. We'll have to wait and see what happens. Um, the last game on this scoreboard is was our game of the week. It was UCLA at Utah. Uh, Utah played without Cam Rising. Uh, that came out about 1030 right after we got done out of the tunnel. So, of course, all of our information was based on Cam Rising's playing because he practiced all week, all this other stuff. Um doesn't play. They still get the win. Dante Moore threw a pick six on, like, one of the first plays of the game. Actually, it was the first play. Um, yeah, 14-48, pick six. <laughs> so, uh, rough start. But from there, I mean, I was very high on how UCLA had been able to move the ball. throughout the. And I understand it was lesser competition and all this other stuff. Um, but with a freshman quarterback at the helm, they looked very impressive through the first three weeks. Uh, I knew this was going to be a huge test for them going on the road, but I felt like... Utah had enough injuries on both sides of the ball to kind of hamper them, and that's where UCLA would exploit them. Uh, that turned out not to be the case. Uh, UCLA still outgained them 243 yards and 219. This was a, a defensive struggle. Um, but UCLA's inability to move the ball and Utah's defense, I think, are the two biggest storylines coming out of this. Uh, UCLA looked like they were priming themselves to make a Pac-12 championship run, uh, you know, a run to Las Vegas to play for the game. I think after this week, I, I don't think they are. I think they're going to be lucky to finish top five in the conference. I think they'll be right around that mark, top five, five, uh, you know, five, six, maybe even four, depending on how things fall from here. But I, I think there's still a clear level below a conference title contender like you put USC, Oregon, Utah, um, Washington. I mean, we're, we're going to talk about Washington State here. Maybe we're even putting them on that level. Uh, But I don't, UCLA, I think has clearly proven after just one game that they are not on that level. They're going to be well below that. Um, Any, any thoughts from you?
1: Yeah. I mean, like you said, this was our game of the week. It was a barn burner. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, uh, I I think the thing that I take away from this game is I picked uh, Morgan state to win this conference, Uh, kind of an outsider pick compared to what anyone else would think when it comes to this conference. But this game makes me a little bit more uh, thinking that this could be like a really good matchup this, this Friday, I believe, is it Thursday or Friday? That,
0: Friday. Uh, Friday. Yeah. Yep.
1: Friday uh, that Utah goes on the road to Oregon state to play them. I mean, I think that I'm assuming Cam Rising will play then, right? It,
0: so it, he is, are they just going this
1: all season where they, I, where they just hope that the team prepares for Cam Rising and yeah. then when they throw the backup out there, the team does this and is like, oh, well, we didn't. Prepare for this.
0: Yeah. So f- I know for this week and last week as well, he's been splitting the reps at, at practice, but it, it's it's always going to be a game time yeah. decision on if he's going to play or not. But yeah, no, I I, I kind of had that thought today. I was thinking about this. I was like, what if they just do that all season? Like there's him rising to like his knee is so messed up. There's no way he's able to come back. But yeah, like, what if he's not even practicing? Yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I mean I now I have seen video of him like pregame throwing and stuff like out there yeah throwing <laughs> in like running around yeah, so, like, yeah. he, he he can he's still mobile the dude I,
1: has like a whole job somewhere and then he just
0: shows up <laughs> on Saturdays in the uniform yeah.
1: <laughs> to go out and scare the opposing team
0: <laughs> uh but yeah I mean looking at Utah going forward uh I think they have the toughest schedule out of everybody in in the, the Pac12 so they have Oregon State on the road this week we just you just brought that up um, then they have Cal at home, and then after that, it's at USC, home against Oregon, uh, Arizona State at home, uh, on the road at Washington, at Arizona, and Colorado to finish out the season. So, I
1: scary, yeah, and it's scary because their home game is against the team that I think has the best possibility of running the score up on them, yeah, in Oregon. Yeah. I appreciate you saying that, but yeah,
0: I mean, you know, they. <laughs> I think out of everybody, I mean Oregon definitely does not have an easy schedule moving forward. Um obviously they play USC, they play Washington, Washington State and Oregon State. Uh but just looking at at how everything stacks up right this moment, I think the road forward is the hardest for Utah out of anybody. Um and and so I mean it's going to start this week and and uh back to back week to playing a ranked team. Um but I think Oregon State is is leaps ahead of where of uh, ahead of where U- UCLA is. I can't form all the freaking acronyms. It it just mushes in my head. Um, Let's go ahead and move over to the last five games we're going to talk about here. Uh, Next up, we had Ole Miss at Alabama. I was very high on Ole Miss coming into this game. Uh, Leaving the game, I'm very critical of them. Uh, I had said this on Saturday, and I I feel like this is a very true statement uh, regardless. But this was Ole Miss's best chance to beat Alabama and, and Lane Kiffin's best chance to beat Nick Saban. And they threw it away. That offense looked absolutely abysmal compared to what they looked like to start the season. Jackson Darts, you know, his name's getting thrown in for Heisman every every other conversation. After watching him, there's he doesn't belong there. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you look at Alabama, whose offense had sucked the first three weeks, um, and they made a dumb decision last week at USF to hey, let's throw the backups in there and see what they can do, uh, and they sucked even more. Uh, so now they go back to Jalen Milrow. I think it was a little bit of. Jalen Mildred saying, all right, I need to put my stamp on this team and and show people how good I am. And a a combination of Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin in general just choking. Um, Your thoughts from this abysmal game in uh, Tuscaloosa?
1: I think that Lane Kiffin has, like, everything that you could possibly want. He's got the swagger. He's got the – crazy cars that he gets the recruits to come and drive like he's he's got the private plane he's got uh everything that a kid wants in their head coach he's a younger coach compared to a lot of the the guys or at least he carries himself as a younger coach uh and then he goes out there and he's Nick Saban's child year in and year out like <laughs> he just cannot get past Nick Saban and and like you said this was their
0: best chance and it's just disappointing for him. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, and the one stat I looked at coming into this game is um, Alabama was averaging giving up 350 passing yards a game. Ole Miss was averaging 350 passing yards a game. Mm-hmm. So this is the perfect you know, storm for Ole Miss's offense to, to really take the top off of Alabama, just like we saw Texas do against them a few weeks ago. Uh, and they weren't able to do it. They also had under... 60, yeah, they have 56 rushing yards. Like, you, you can't be an SEC team, and no matter, you know, Alabama used to just be, hey, we're going to line up in the I formation, hand it off every play, and and they won national championships like that, but the world evolved. And I, I feel like Ole Miss has gone too far in the other direction where they're, they're very pass-heavy, but you need a good running game to, to stabilize your offense. Uh, and they have a very good running back but they just were not able to get any momentum on the ground game at all. And I think that, above anything else, outside of the offensive of miscues and, and the failed drives and all those stuff, um, the the base root of it all was because they they don't have an established run game. I mean, again, their running back is one of the best in the country, but they don't have the, the capability, it appears, to, to give him the ball and let him get solid yardage on the ground. Um. Over to Back over to the Pac-12, uh, we had Oregon State at Washington State. Who saw Washington State playing like this to start the year? I mean, I, I said in the videos i made this week so far, um, Cam Ward is a very good quarterback, but he showed a lot of indecisiveness last year. He struggled with his playmaking. He threw a lot of interceptions. Uh, you know, he could throw for 500 yards a game, but he turned around and threw for five interceptions that same game, and that's what we do in Washington State. The, the growth that he has gone through in the offseason and leading into this season is beyond impressive to see. Um, you know His name deserves to be talked about more with the Heisman Award. I think there's five legitimate uh, quarterbacks in the Pac-12 right now that you could make a, an argument for that they deserve to have their name in that conversation. Um, DJ has played really great to start of the season. He kind of struggled a little bit on Saturday, but still looked very good, at, miles ahead of what he looked like Clemson the past couple of years. Um, but a huge win uh for Washington State. It looked a little scary there in the second half, uh and mainly in the fourth quarter. Uh Oregon State went on a twenty-one to seven run. Uh they just ran out of time and timeouts to to complete the comeback. Um, I know you had money on this game. Also, Oregon State's your your packable pick. Uh what are your your thoughts? How do you feel about Oregon State coming out of this game? I
1: think DJ Uyangale. I don't know there if that's go. the right pronunciation, but I, I think that he needs to to realize that he's at fault for this loss. Like you said, he went he was at Clemson where it was like, okay, you got to pass the ball basically three out of four plays. He comes here, we talked about it, and they have a really good run offense, uh, rush offense at at Oregon State, and so all he needs to do is make sure that he's not making mistakes when he is throwing the ball. He's not required to throw the ball every time. He had the balls in his hands, you know, at this school. And I mean, he went like 17 to 38 and a touchdown to interception, down. and he threw under 200 yards. I think that, like you said, he's doing much better than he was at Clemson. But based on how he started the season, I was expecting him to like only have 10 incompletions, two touchdowns, maybe 240 yards, and that would have been enough to get the win. Right.
0: Um, But yeah, I mean, I I am very interested to see just how good this Washington State team is. Um, They have a a bye this week, Uh, then they're at UCLA, then uh, home against Arizona, and then they go to Oregon. So that's going to be, I really feel like, uh, Washington State's first true test, depending on what UCLA can do coming out of their break. Um, But, I mean, I'm looking at that game a month from now uh, at Oregon. I mean, they always play Oregon very tight. That They give Oregon fits. It doesn't matter how good or bad either one of those teams are. Uh, you think back to last year, Washington State was up 21 points with like two minutes left, and Oregon was able to make a comeback. Um, so I, Washington State's for real, and, and a lot of people need to, to realize that and, and watch this team because uh, that's two huge upsets they've been able to pull off at home now. Can they do the same thing on the road? Uh, we're we're going to find that out really soon here. Um, Next up, we had the whiteout. There's really not much to say about this outside of goddamn, does Iowa suck? Um, You know, we. There is something to say. No, go ahead.
1: If Penn State does not make the playoff four this year, not win a national championship, not even win one of the playoff four games, the semifinals, whatever. Mm -hmm. If they don't make it this year, this will go down as the most disappointing Penn State team to step foot on the field because. Their offense has not turned the ball over yet. They're the only team in the nation to do that. Their defense is playing stellar, obviously, against lesser teams so far, but their defense is doing really good, even when the offense is having a little trouble moving the ball. And them being able to do similar to what Michigan is doing and having two running backs, just fresh, fresh, fresh body in there all the time. Uh, I, I think, I, I really do think that if they're not able to push through and beat both Michigan and Ohio state this year, and that be enough to get to big 10 and, and make the playoff four that it's really going to be hard uh, to, to get behind a team that isn't like leaps past this, which is hard to believe that Penn state will get a team leaps beyond this mm-hmm. in the coming years. You know, I think that this is their best opportunity. I think that people thought, Saquon and Trace McSorley, uh, Gasecki. That team was probably the team, but I think with the way that uh, Drew is playing, that this is the the team that has their best shot.
0: Yeah, I, I will say watching this game, the one area I think Penn State needs to improve on is their offense can be very good, it can be very explosive, but it's not consistent. They they need to find a nice consistency. Hey, let's let's keep the ball moving. And you don't need to go out there and score on every single drive. That's not what I'm saying when I say I want to see consistency. But they, they will go two, three plays. They'll move the ball good, and then all of a sudden, you know, it, it almost looks like it's a missed block or, or a missed read where they don't pick a guy coming up, and then they lose you know yardage two plays in a row. And it's like you can't do, have this one step forward, two step back mentality. Uh, and then there's drives that go out there and they just they just click the whole way down the field and they move it. That so that's my one concern especially watching how good Ohio State's defense was against Notre Dame, um, it is you can't have drives like that. It's going to take you know, a, a solid night of, or day, whenever they play. The, the time hasn't been announced yet. But it's going to take a, a full 60-minute effort on offense to consistently move the ball forward. Hey, we might stall out. We might have to punt. But we can't put ourselves in situations where we're, we're moving forward and then it's a penalty or you know whatever that starts to move us back, and then we have to scramble and, and try and make up yardage because uh, that's where Penn State gets in trouble with their offense. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, it's, uh, they play Northwestern uh, on at noon this Sunday on the road, uh, the bye week, uh, UMass at home, and then it's at Ohio State. So the good news for Penn State fans is you don't have to wait that long to, to find out um, and, and what I would really say is how for real this, this team is. I mean, we, we've talked about a bunch of teams so far, and it's like, I mean, we we don't. I I thought UCLA was really good, or are going to be much better than what they were. But, excuse me. They have their first real test, and, and they kind of shit the bed. I mean, you look at Penn State. I'm not saying you know, obviously I was no pushover. They played like it, but um, they they have a a relaxed schedule before that Ohio State game, uh, and and so that's going to be your first real sign of okay, like you said can this roster and this this uber talented group of players finish the job? can they get us to to that mark and from there you know obviously you need to continue to build and then turn it from not just a, a playoff contender but a playoff winner, a championship contender, so on and so forth uh, so not much of a not much longer to wait before uh, I just want to talk about iowa really quick. we make jokes about this offense and the the twenty five point game points per game you know minimum or whatever they have to have. All jokes aside, how and you can't blame this on the weather because Penn State played the same exact weather. They could run the ball, they could throw the ball, they did whatever they wanted on the offensive side of the ball. How do you as a Division One FBS offense, a group, a Power Five offense, only have seventy six fucking yards of offense, four first downs. <laughs> and, and, a, and a team that is supposed to be – it doesn't matter what is happening on the off-side of the ball. You are supposed to be one of the, the the marquee running offense in the nation. You had 20 yards of rushing offense. Like, I, I don't care if Brian Ferentz wins every game from here on out. He puts up 60 on the board. This performance alone should have got him fired. Screw that contract agreement. I, zero points, 76 yards, 20 rushing yards – Four first downs, four turnovers. Should have been enough to get your ass fired on the spot. You had to walk home from Beaver Stadium all the way back to Kinnick. QB went, what, 5 of 14 for 40 yards or something? Yeah, Uh, what what did he do? Yeah, 5 of 14, 42 yards. The backup. Backup goes 1 of 2 for 14 yards. He he threw for almost half of the fucking yards that the the starter (laughs) did on one pass. How, How is that possible? But. there's a wheel option play (laughs) i I genuinely don't care what happens the rest of the season if i I don't care if they hit 26 points per game this dude deserves to be fired and and honestly at this point so is kirk Ferrance because it's just incompetency at this point Mm -hmm. um now i'm starting to get upset and this isn't even my team i mean god forbid watch oregon go out and do this i will come on here and rant for 70 minutes about that BS. If Oregon were ever to pull some BS like that, um, there's my $5 for the swear jar. So we'll save that for a bet coming up, but got me pissed off on a, on a Wednesday night and it's not even my team, but I, I just hate stupid people like that. Um, <laughs> next game we had, uh, was the game of the week and a group of five. Uh, I knew this would be, we, we had talked a lot about this, even outside of our podcast. Um, we got very high on Appalachian State. Wyoming has had an amazing start to the year. You know, they beat Texas Tech at home. They gave Texas a run for their money, uh, you know, just a week ago. And now they have App State coming to them. This was an amazing game. Slade, so, I know you probably didn't watch much of it, uh, but did this give you any impression, anything you want to talk about coming out of this? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that there's a lot of teams
1: that probably look at Wyoming as one of their their easier teams to face throughout the season and i i think that they've got to start looking more into this team i think this team is showing that that they're able to go in and and win close games and games that a lot of people don't think that they should be in
0: you know yeah i mean app state was controlling this game for the most part uh and it it almost reminded me of i always get the year mixed up i think it was 2017 uh, the whiteout game when Penn State blocked the field goal, took it back, and, and that's ultimately what won them the game. I, I know it was like 16, 17, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's literally what happened in this game. App State's in yeah. control. They were up 19 to 14. Um, and then with a minute and 52 seconds left, uh, App State went to kick a field goal. They block it. Wyoming blocks it. They take it back for a touchdown. And that proves to be the deciding score. Um so that I mean, just I watched that happen. And I was like, "Oh my!" Like I literally felt like I was watching that, that Penn State Ohio State game again. Um, oh wait,
1: did they get a two point conversion then too? Uh, um, nineteen fourteen. That's eight point. Yeah, they had. Yeah, to, yeah, right? two,
0: yeah. Two point conversion. Yep. Um, smart so, play on them. <laughs> just incredible. I mean, yeah, the game of three. Just in case App State gets in yeah. case get the goal game overtime. But, um, I mean, th- this was a, a fantastic game. I, I highly recommend those of you watching this at home, go find this game on YouTube and watch the whole thing. Uh, this was a lot of fun. I really felt like these were two dark horse group of five teams to possibly make, make a New Year's Six Bowl, depending on who won this and who could go on a run from here. Um, if, I mean, if you look at the Mountain West, if you look in the case of Wyoming right now, um, at, a lot of people are looking at Fresno State and Air Force, and deservedly so. I mean, those two teams are playing very good football. Not a lot of people are talking about Wyoming right now as, as any sort of contender in the Mountain West, I don't feel like. Um, and now here, all of a sudden, again, they beat a Power 5 team already. They beat a very good App State team in a come-from-behind fashion where it seemed like everything was done for them. Uh, and then all of a sudden, momentum shifts with a, just under two minutes left. Um, so, I mean, look out for Wyoming to, to make some noise in the Mountain West. Uh, and who knows if if they can have one loss, that one loss be a close game at Texas, I think you can absolutely throw their hat and to be you know ranked. Uh, and you know obviously the highest ranked team gets the near six bowl bid. but I, I think if they're able to to do that from here on out, they deserve the attention and and a look at you know making that that bowl game. Last game we're gonna talk about was the game of the week. Um, no matter what we picked beforehand. This proved to be the game of the week. Um, I, I will say I apologize to the Notre Dame fans. So I've, I brought it up many times. I grew up in a Notre Dame house. Every time I watched them play a big game, they would always lose it in this sort of fashion. Um, I was watching. I watched the first quarter. It was ugly. And I said, you know what? It's me. I, I changed the channel. Notre Dame played pretty well past that point. I pull up my phone and I look and I see it's 14 to 10 with like 45 seconds left. And it's like fourth and 10 for Ohio State. And I was like, well, if Notre Dame's going to do it, like I want to see the play. Like I want to see them seal the deal. I turn it on. They convert the fourth and 10 and then Notre Dame puts them to another fourth down. And I was like, all right, this is it. And shout out to, to Kyle McCord. A great throw, a great read by the receiver to slow his body down turn. He gets tackled at the one, and I just went, oh, yep, there it goes. They're going to score. They, they held him out the first play with 10 guys. Uh, then Ohio State finally realized, hey, there's 10 guys on the field. Let's just run it right at the middle. And they did. They, they punched it in. I, I feel like a lot of people are, are going to jump back on the bandwagon of Notre Dame can't win big games and you know that, that stigma that hangs around them. Obviously, they didn't win, and, and so I think it's fair to make that that jump, make that, you know, look at that conclusion and say they, they just can't win a, a big game. It doesn't matter if it's home, way, whatever it may be. It, I would say that's fair. But I would say this team is miles ahead of where a Brian Kelly team would have been in this situation. Now, the crappy thing for Notre Dame is you have to turn around from this game and and th- having uh, the high of almost beating Ohio State, to the crashing low of losing that game on a walk off touchdown. Now, you got to go on the road to a very good Duke team uh, that uh, maybe isn't getting enough respect yet. And you got to get yourself back up for that game. You know, this is if you still have a shot to make the playoffs right now, you have a three point loss um, to what were they at the time? I think they were the number six team. Uh, it's a three point loss at home on a last second touchdown. You have the schedule ahead of you if you were able to run the table and play it out. You, you have the, the absolute right to make a claim for a college football playoff. You still play USC, like we just said. Duke, you have good teams ahead of you. So the, the challenge for Notre Dame now is you need to turn around and play very well this weekend at Duke uh, and to keep that dream alive. Um, I think you fell asleep by the end of this game because this this one won for a while. Um, but how, how do you feel about Ohio State and Notre Dame coming out of this one?
1: Yeah, so a couple of things. I think that at the end of the game, we saw that Ryan Day is feeling the pressure that the world is putting on him at Ohio State. The way that he, like, had his outburst of, like, emotion. at Who's even the old dude that – I forget his name. Lou mm-hmm. uh Yeah, he – I mean, he had this outburst about, like, saying trash in his team blah 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 whatever uh and i mean i think that he showed that he's been feeling the pressure like people are like calm accord what the hell like this guy the the offense sucks ever since they put this guy in a quarterback you know ohio state's used to putting up 60 points a weekend against the type of teams that they're playing and they couldn't even get past 35 points it seemed like and so that i mean what kind of coach was marcus freeman before he uh
0: Guy, head coach. Defensive coordinator. Oh, that's what I thought.
1: Yeah. So defensive coordinator. Couldn't see that there was 10 guys on the field. Uh, yeah, that was also interesting. Uh, obviously, mistakes happen and whatnot. But it was just I, – I, it was funny. Uh, I think, like you said, Notre Dame in quite the position. Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan are all ranked in the top 10 right now, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. And so let's say Ohio State runs the table, goes undefeated within the Big Ten. And they beat Michigan by, I don't know, let's say seven points in that game. And both Michigan and Ohio State blow Penn State out of the water by 20 points. Let's say 15, 16 points, something like that. Right Here sits Notre Dame, one loss just like Michigan, but they only lost Ohio State by a field goal. And it was a last second, a one second to go in the game uh, touchdown that won the game for them. They lost by three points. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I I think like you said, Notre Dame, if they can run the table, uh, Sam Hartman will have to play a lot better. uh, But I I think that they still have a chance to run the table and have that that thought process in the Mm -hmm. the season. Like, hey, look, this team, Ohio State, I mean, if they do that, I would assume would be number one or number two in the nation at that time. Uh, We only lost to
0: them by three. Yeah, Um, yeah, you could have said the other way. Uh, you could have said Penn State loses by seven, you know, rather than Penn State getting blown out of the water. But, I mean, hey. No, but, I mean, I got – Put the, got the to badger on your team.
1: Yeah, I got to talk it down on them so that they can
0: surprise yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but back, back to the Ryan Day comments. Um, I'm fine with him showing that intensity. And, you know, hey, because he – and I get it. This this kind of goes back to what I was just saying about Dan Laning. Like, you you had to hear this noise all week. Uh, how everybody was saying Notre Dame is a, a bigger, better, physical team than you, and that's why they're going to win. And I, I get, you know, saying like, what the hell? It's like, you know, i, I This is a good football team. We lost to Georgia by, I think it was, three, yeah, three points last year, or I can't remember if that kick would have sent it to overtime or if it was like a one. Po- we lost to Georgia by one possession in the playoffs, and you know, we, we've had to hear this noise all off season, and now coming into this game, I'm fine with him having that anger and that rage and, that, and it's just a release and, and i get it my only complaint is why the hell do you have to go over at or go at an 84 year old man who has dementia who can barely say you could have addressed anybody else in the media i mean poor lou holtz went on pat mcafee's show and he he coached notre dame he was he led them to a national championship of course he's gonna fucking pick notre dame and say how much better they that, that's his when he, he looked be, like
1: he was a part of the chair that he was sitting in like he looked like he'd been sitting in that chair for the last 10 years yeah
0: but I, I, I one of my, my favorite memories as a kid and, and when I was in high school I, I worked a night shift at, at the social club in Oxford I was a janitor and I I would go in Saturday nights college football would wrap up and college football final would come on and it was him I can't think of the other guy's name and it was um Reese David And the three of them, and they would talk about the day, and they would have debates and stuff. It it was like a first take for college football immediately after all the games ended, and it was so awesome. But every year he'd go in there and he'd talk up Notre Dame and all this other stuff, and you know Notre Dame would oftentimes disappoint him. But he did that on national TV for how many years? All of a sudden he goes on Pat McAfee's podcast, which technically is on national TV now, and of course he's gonna do the same thing. Like that's where I I drew the line. I was like, okay, like that that was a little much. Like I felt you could. Drawn it back a little bit from there, but that's just my point of view. um So let's go ahead. Let's look at our updated pickup standings. um Nick had the best week out of all of us. He goes eleven and five. That includes the Thursday Friday games we picked last week. Uh, he now sits five games up on Slade uh, with twenty three losses. Slade, uh, you, you you fought back. You you finally you made it to five hundred. I, I didn't think you were going to make it there for a second to five hundred, uh, but you do. Uh, you go eight and eight on the weekend uh 43 and 28. Uh I, I closed the gap by one more on you. I'm one bag. I'm 42 and 29 after going nine and seven this past week. Uh cash out records. Slade, you're the first one of us to get a push on any of your lines. Uh, so congratulations to you. I had, uh, you know completely changed the scoreboard just for that. Um Nick goes one and one this week. He's still sitting at nine and two, which is just unbelievable. Uh I had my first two and a week. Very happy about that. Uh, so I'm sitting at 6-5. and five. I'm back above 500. That's where I want to keep it the rest of the year. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see if we can do that. Last thing uh, we want to talk about before we look at our uh, Friday games that we're going to pick here is the Jack Wagon Sports Top 25. Uh, Slated mentioned it earlier. I unveiled this on TikTok uh, on Wednesday. But we want to talk about it with you guys as well. Um, so the way that we get these numbers, or this ranking, I should say, is... Um, it's a formula. It has nothing to do with an eye test or anything like that. We're not saying we think this team is better than this. This is 100% data driven. Um, so that's what makes it fun. Obviously, no top 25 is going to be perfect, but here's our top 25. Coming in at 25th is Kansas State, then it's Oregon State, Toledo, Washington State, Texas A&M, and Air Force, rounding out 25 through 20th. Then we go to Kentucky, Liberty. Ole Miss, Louisville, Florida State, Texas, Maryland, Michigan, Ohio State is 19th through 11th. Our top 10 is Georgia, Duke, Miami, Penn State, Washington, Notre Dame, Syracuse, USC, Oklahoma, and Oregon. That is the full top 25. Obviously, we'll update this every week. And share this with you guys. Slade, who is the biggest surprise to you that is either ranked, not ranked, or higher than what you would expect given the first couple of weeks?
1: Uh, so, quick This includes the games this past weekend, correct? Yes. Or yes. not this yet? Is, okay. Yeah. Yep. All right. So, the biggest surprise to me, first off, at their highness of a rank, is Notre Dame. I mean, they just lost to Ohio State. They're ranked 5th. And Ohio State's ranked 11th.
0: I think the uh, biggest thing that helped Notre Dame is so this Ohio state game was their fifth game. So right, I right, mean, right. They, they had kind of one game up and everybody. Yeah. yeah. And they played the uh, Navy, uh, Tennessee state. Uh, mm-hmm. and, they didn't and, play NCS yeah. schools. Yeah.
1: yeah. That, I mean, I understand. It, yeah. yeah. They, they played very think, bad teams. So I that, understand that from the formula why they're up there, but I just think from the eyeball test, right. You just lost, you shouldn't be ranked. What the eight positions ahead of or no. And that's Not eight. uh, but you shouldn't be ranked uh five positions ahead of the other team uh
0: and I, I will duh. say real, real quick the one thing I noticed doing this last year with with you know doing everything number based it almost seemed like it took like an extra week for everything to kind of register yeah I, f- I forget who it was last year I think I think uh Michigan beat Penn State and you know it wasn't close but Penn State only filled like three spots and then the next week they won and then all of a sudden they like plummeted and i was like Mm -hmm. so i i don't know if the same thing's going to happen now but i will i will say i noticed that last last year it almost seemed like it took like a week and i don't understand how that works because obviously everything's updated live like Mm -hmm. as soon as those games end saturday i went in on sunday and i started making our top 25 Um, but i I did notice that last year It, it oddly like took a week and then everything kind of like adjusted I mean, that,
1: the Notre Dame one, and then, I mean, the obvious one, number four, Syracuse. I mean, they're not going to even be in the top 15 at any point this season, I don't think. So that's just a a surprising one for
0: me. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, and so for those of you that – I'll go over the formula really quick. Uh, So if you win a game, you get a point. If you beat an FCS school, though, you don't get any points. Uh, From there, if you beat a team on the road, you get a point. If it's a conference win, you get another point. Uh, You get a point if you cover the spread. If you push the spread, it's half a point added. Um, And then we add in your point differential. And then if you lose a game, you get a minus one point. If you lose to an FCS school, you get three points taken off. Uh, And then we add all those up, divide it by seven, and get your average. And then you get ranked based on your average from all those uh, statistics. Um, So that's how we get our top 25. And that's what it is heading into uh, week five of college football uh, so now it's time really quick we're going to pick three games that are all happening on friday um three really great matchups yeah it's going to be my birthday i'm excited to watch really good college football on my birthday the last time my birthday was on a friday um you me and connor went out and we did a bar crawl in gettysburg uh when we did our Pac-12 preview mm-hmm. we talked about our favorite memories it was uh washington state beating usc mm-hmm. uh, i remember watching that in some. Frusty dungeon bar in uh, Gettysburg. Um, but this year on September 29th, uh, first game we're going to have is Louisville at NC state in ACC battle. NC state back-to-back weeks playing on a Friday night. Uh, this time they're at home though with Louisville. Nick is going to take uh, the Cardinals slate. Who do you got in this one?
1: Yeah, I'm going with the Cardinals as well. I think their offense is going to be the uh, driving factor here. And uh, I, I, still think NC state needs to work on things and that's why I don't
0: see them being able to, to come
1: uh to I think they'll compete but I, I
0: think louisville edges it out I, I'm going with Louisville as well and you know was kind of piggybacks to what you just said so I watched that ah. game against Virginia last weekend uh, on Friday night Virginia is not a good football team like they had no right to hang around in that game but NC State's offense uh with Brennan Armstrong as your quarterback he's not good enough to go out and just win you games. And their offensive coordinator isn't that great in my mind either. I think NC State is really going to struggle this season. Uh, and Louisville looks really good to start the year. Uh, I, I think they're a very good team. I'm honestly surprised they're not ranked at 4-0. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. Maybe 5-0 and will be good enough to get them there. Uh, and that's officially the jinx. So NC State's going to win Friday night. <laughs> 5-0, and Jesus. Yeah. Form 1. Yep. <laughs> uh, next game we have is a ranked matchup in the Pac-12 Pack twelve after dark. You know some weird shit's gonna happen. Uh, we got number ten Utah at number nineteen Oregon State. Still no word on if Cam Rising is playing. Uh, Nick is gonna go with Utah. One thing I'll say really quick is Nick didn't fill out his picks, um, so I'm picking for you, buddy, and you're you're taking Utah. So we'll we'll see if that works out for you. Uh, Slate, who are you taking?
1: I'm well, going with Oregon State. I think that they need a a comeback week here. I mean, I did not see them losing this past week and. It really shocked me, so I think that they're going to really work on DJ and his uh, his focus when it comes to having to throw the ball this week, and I think that they squeak out a close one.
0: I'm going to go with Oregon State as well. Again, I think this is a close game, um, but I think, like you said, this is a, a nice bounce-back opportunity. Oregon State has the team to win the Pac-12. Uh, they just need the consistent play, uh, and I, I think playing at home is going to help a lot. I'm excited to see you know this new updated upgraded stadium uh, make its a nighttime debut. Uh, this is gonna be a fun game to watch. I'm excited to watch it nine o'clock on uh, Fox Sports One. And the final game is over in the Big Twelve. Uh, both teams lost their Big Twelve opener. We have Cincinnati visiting BYU. One thing that did surprise me is Cincinnati actually opens as a favorite. I think they're two and a half point favorite right now. Um, Nick is gonna go with BYU. Slade, who are you taking in this one? I'm going with Cincinnati. I, I think that
1: their defense is I, I think their defense is gonna be the driving factor in this game. And I think their offense is just gonna play their normal game and, and be able to, to get some points up there.
0: Yeah. I'm gonna go with BYU. I think coming off of that Arkansas win, it was just kind of a, a down. Uh, you know, having such a high, you, you have to come down at some point. And I think seeing how poorly their run game was last week, I think that's gonna be a motivation to play better this week. The other thing is, I, I mean, I just watched Cincinnati lose to Miami of Ohio and um, I think it was double overtime, and then yeah. their offense was hardly able to move the ball against Oklahoma, um, so I just I just don't have faith in their offense, uh, and I think BYU has a better offense, and being at home, I think, gives them the slight edge, so that's why I'm going to go with BYU. Final thing we're going to do is it's time for another top five draft. Uh, this time, it, this, this is going to be interesting. Um, We're going to pick our top five greatest college football teams. Um, So, Slade, what I need you to do is call heads or tails. I'm going to flip the coin here. So, wait, wait, wait. Real quick. Uh Uh-huh. I think that
1: we both have the same team that we're going to pick first, the same team in the same year. So, I think that the coin flip definitely matters in this aspect. Absolutely.
0: All right. So, all right. So, you call it. Okay. It's going to land on the side. Oh, tails. <laughs> tails? That's heads. Dang. Okay. I'm going with the 2019 LSU Tigers. Oh, we didn't pick the same.
1: I, I'm going, uh, that's a good pick. That was definitely in my top five. Yeah. Um, I'm going with the 2001 Miami Hurricanes. Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I was back and forth on both of them, and I was like, I don't know. And maybe it's just recency bias. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to take LSU here let's use my number two so it yeah um my number three pick I'm gonna go with 1995 uh Nebraska Cornhuskers. shout out tony um but yeah I, I mean one of the best I mean a string of back-to-back almost three in a row national championships um but this was by far one of their best teams undefeated season they played a hell of a schedule uh, I'm gonna give it to Nebraska in 1995 as my number two pick
1: uh, my number two pick, surprise, surprise, because they're gonna do
0: some big things this year.
1: Uh, two thousand five Texas Longhorns with Vince Young.
0: I knew you were taking them too. <laughs> I, as soon, as soon as you said surprise, and I was like, it's Texas. I mean, they won um, conference championship seventy to three that year. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and they beat if if USC wins that game. I mean, we're we're talking about the greatest dynasty in college football. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Texas stops that, and, and yeah, they absolutely deserve to be on this list. Um, speaking of that dynasty, I'm going to go with 2004 USC, undefeated. They mopped. I the
1: thought f- that team doesn't count, right?
0: No, I, I don't. I don't, I don't oh, I, I, I'll say this: I, I don't, I don't give a shit about their record being stripped. Reggie Bush's <laughs> the high, no, it it absolutely counts. They were they it were in
1: my honorable mentions only because I thought that maybe you would say.
0: Yeah, but their stuff was taken away. No, one hundred percent, it still counts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, they they mopped the floor with Oklahoma in the title game. Uh-huh. They they were hardly touched the entire season. Uh, yeah, that's my number three uh, greatest college football team of all time. Uh,
1: my number three, you were never gonna pick this team, but I have to. Uh, the '94 Penn State Indy Lions. Um, I, I think that if uh, the national championship was set up differently and not on a voting system. I think that they probably would have been co-champions with Nebraska that year instead of Nebraska just being voted the champions that year.
0: Yeah. Um, my next pick, I'm, I'm going to take a different Miami team. I'm going to go with 1987, the original, the U. I mm-hmm. mean, the, the, the team that earned them the documentary in the first place. Um, but uh, the absolutely stacked talent on that roster, uh, I mean, that was some of the greatest years of college football and Miami had some of the best teams. So that's going to be my number four pick. Um,
1: My number four pick is going to be the 2018 Clemson Tigers. I, I think that, you know, I really wanted to pick an Alabama team at some point in this. I mean, you've got, uh, what is it? Oh uh, yeah. Bear Bryant. Uh, yeah. You got, Nick Saban, now there's there's so many great teams to go through there, but I just think that Clemson being able to knock them off and, and the couple of times that they did and stuff like that, just outspoken. Um,
0: I mean, the, the championship game alone, I think, was enough to earn them,
1: you know, the, mm-hmm. that
0: recognition, just blowing Alabama out of the water in that game. Yeah. Uh, going back to Alabama, I will say, I thought so. My list here, I, I put 10 schools. I didn't put 2020 Alabama on my list. Granted, one of the best. Football teams, mm-hmm. I think we've ever watched. But I think, and I've said this before, I don't think the COVID year should count right for, for any records or anything nope. like that. So that's nope. why I don't I don't have Bama 2020 Bama especially on my list. Um my final pick, I think I have to go with 2013 Florida State. Uh, the last BCS champion. But the way they did it, the way that they did it, the schedule they ran through, they had one of the, the most historic offenses of all time. You look at the defensive side of the ball, they were shutting everything down. You had Jalen Ramsey at cornerback. Um, I mean, for us, the, the, this was the year we graduated high school, so obviously mm-hmm. it, was, it was kind of imprinted in our brains. Uh, and so th- that probably is why it sticks out a little bit more. Um, but, so yeah, I, I'm going to go with Florida State 2013 as my number five team. Uh,
1: my number five is gonna be the 2008 florida gators they need to redo the documentary uh i i think that the amount of talent alone that was on the team obviously not the best group of people but the team itself from the coach to the quarterback to uh the penalty twins to the tight end i mean i don't even think you could say his name because we might
0: get the video down.
1: i don't know but i mean he it just it was a very very talented
0: team. Yeah, I, was, I mean, if more than ten people watch the video, it might get taken down. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: okay, so the tight end was talented at catching the ball and doing other things. In life, but we don't judge his off the field stuff. We're just talking about his football stuff. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um. So that'll do it uh, for our top five. You guys, let us know what we what you think. of That uh, we'll be posting that later. Um. That'll do it for our episode as a whole this week. We thank you guys as always for so much for joining us. Uh, don't forget to come back Saturday morning. It appears. It'll just be Slade and I for out of the tunnel. But Nick has surprised us the last two Fridays saying that he would join us. Um, But be there Saturday morning regardless. We'll get you ready for another amazing slate of college football on Saturday. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll be there to get you ready for it. Uh, See you guys in the next video.